We observe today not a victory of party, but a celebration of freedom. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Human Zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Stand to attention when I'm talking to you! On Talk Radio. Dismiss! Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham here on Talk Radio. So the day has finally arrived. We're on the cusp of the most significant development in the history of modern life. The eve of a newfound openness, transparency and accountability for all the companies in the world. And the data they hold on us. Yes, that's right. It's General Data Protection Regulation Day. That's GDPR to you and me. And it's actually tomorrow. Does anyone out there actually know what any of it means, though? We've all been getting pointless emails from companies who didn't even know how our email address for weeks and weeks and weeks. I can't remember what I've said yes to, what I've said no to, what I've cancelled, what I've renewed. It's all a bit of a shambles, isn't it? Can someone please explain it to me right now? 0344 499 Coming up a little bit later on the show, we'll be investigating the giant sinkhole that's opened up at the White House. We'll be asking why Boris Johnson's opening a new Booper hospital in Chile, and whether eating fish is actually good for your sex life. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, and Daisy McAndrew here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Well, a very good morning to you, Ms. McAndrew. Good Welcome morning. back. I mean, what Thank a day you. for news. What a day to be here on the eve of the greatest sort of revolution of data marketing in I, the history of man. I can and tell woman. how excited you are. Although it does seem to me it's just a sort of license to pay lots of lawyers to come <laughs> to, to, to come and help you out. But I mean, I've, this the one thing about GDPR is it feels like it's crept up on us and we're getting all these emails saying, I love you, don't abandon yeah. me. You know, you feel very, very popular every time have you, you open have your... you Have you been surprised <laughs> at the number of organisations that actually have your email address. Yes, and ones I don't remember ever buying from. Yeah. And some random, you know, councils yeah. and, and all sorts. And they're all saying, I love you, I love you, don't abandon me, don't leave me. And I sort of, you know, happily delete them all. Thinking, and also, I don't know what I've done with most of these emails because some of them ask you to read their new uh, sort of privacy rules or whatever. Exactly. Some say opt in, opt, opt out. out. Tick, some of them say, here. you know, click here to resubscribe, click here to unsubscribe, yeah. don't do anything. Do something. I mean, I've no idea what I've done, really. No. And I've been reading, and there's a very funny article in The Times today by Deborah Ross, yeah. uh, you know, sort of referring it to it all as a sort of big love affair where she feels terrible, but she's sort of basically dumping all of these companies. But she says, you know, she tries to um, sum up what it means. And she says it means companies can no longer send you emails without your permission. And I'm not sure if that's 100%. True. I know it also means, I mean, there's, it's, so it was debated for years in the EU Parliament and it's been coming, it's been definitely coming on you know, May 2018 for two years. So right. companies have had two years. Why are they suddenly flooding our inboxes with days to go? And it doesn't seem not, to me they're yeah, going to be exactly. ready. And also, am I not right in saying this is an EU directive? It's an EU yeah. piece of legislation which we are having to fulfil because we agreed, presumably, to do it some time ago. Yes and no, because I know that we have got our own data protection bill that's just gone through Parliament. Ah. So basically, all I think everybody who signed up to it uh, within the EU had to put it... We're allowed to slightly tweak it for right. the domestic markets, and so, so our law has gone through Westminster. Well, already. Or, so, already, So yeah. we've already got better laws than we did have. Yeah. Have we? <laughs> I'm still confused. Who knows? I don't who knows? know. What do you- Excuse to play Jumping Jack Flash. You know that song is actually 50 years old today. Is it really? Is wow. that frightening? 
Still, it's not quite as old as me. So Jagger was 24. Yeah, I guess he was, yeah. A great contrast, by the way, in the papers. Pictures of him all over the place today, jumping around, as in Jumping Jack Flash, and the sort of Peter Pan figure uh, that he has always been, really, or at least for the last 20-odd years. And we were talking before the show about how I saw them. And, of course, Con, who's consistently putting me down for being (laughs) such an old, boring waste of space claims, oh, well, what did you see about 40 years ago then? And I went, well, no, actually, I was 1989, which turns out to be nearly 30 years ago. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't feel like it, does but, it? But, you know, that was the Tattoo You tour that they did, yeah. which would start me up, you know. And they were, mass- they were massive then, obviously. And they, they were Wembley, it was the old Wembley Stadium. And they had the same kind of setup on the stage where he was just running backwards and forwards. Yeah. And the, my abiding memory was of, of Keith Richard and Ronnie Wood. And Keith Richard, and they, were, they sounded terrible because, you know, they, they're famously not very good live. <laughs> yeah. And um, Ronnie Wood kept missing his cues and things. And, and I kept seeing, Keith Richard kept kicking him up the backside and sort of, you know, because he was one of those he relatively new in the band at that point, you know. So it's quite funny. But by contrast, Rod Stewart uh, is in the papers today meeting the Pope. He looks great. And he looks terrific. Yeah, he really, really does. Good. And he's 73 as well. Is he really? Yeah. No, he looks better than Jagger. In the fa- I mean, not sort of necessarily leaping about like Jagger does, which no, is impressive. No, but, but he's, I mean, I mean, they've all got very young kids. I mean, he's got, funnily enough, I spent, I was telling you, I spent a very lovely day with with him and uh, and Mike Parry. We flew us up to watch the Celtic Rangers game in Glasgow. I love that. Which was remarkable. The thing that was remarkable about it was you get to see how they are where they when they go places because we literally yeah. spent and, and everywhere he went you know he was mobbed by people and of course you can imagine at the football as well you know yeah, just yeah. everybody turns around points looks you know wants a picture you know and, it's, and he was and good about it he was really good about it yeah i mean there's only one point where we, we were having breakfast in this in this um, sort of director's room in uh, Celtic football club and somebody came up while he was in the middle of eating and he just said, can you just let me have my breakfast? You know? Yeah, well, that's fair enough. Well, exactly. That's fair enough. But and he's a very charming man, absolutely terrific. And now with everybody wanting selfies, it must get really After wary. a while, you yeah. start to get... I mean, the greatest thing was we went shopping because he had to buy his son. He's got two young kids. I think the youngest one's only about seven or eight. Yeah. And, the, and his mother had said that he couldn't have this particular pair of trainers. I mean, it was great to see that they have these same it's problems. Normal. You know, This guy's worth about 150 <laughs> million quid, you know. And he, so he was sneaking him into this shop to get him a pair of these Nike um, Ronaldo <laughs> trainers, right, which they didn't have. And as I was walking in um, behind him, uh, I was recognised by somebody who went, hey, Mike, how you doing? Where's, where's the other Mike? I said, oh, he's back there in the van. He said, what are you doing here? I said, I'm here with Rod Stewart. And he went, where's he? I said, he's in there. And they hadn't seen Rod Stewart go. He recognised me, which was I quite funny. That. I anyway, let's that. talk to Helen Smith, who's a personal trainer, uh, who can give us some insight into whether Mick Jagger is a kind of superman or whether everybody who is 74 could actually do what he does. Helen, a very good morning to you. Hi there, how are you? Yeah, very well indeed. I mean, he is kind of an unusual specimen, isn't he? I mean, it's not many 74-year-olds that could run the equivalent of 12 miles a day uh, while on stage. No, no, definitely not. I think Mick Jagger is certainly um, one of a kind in in, uh, in more ways than one. Yes. Um, but that's not to say that everybody um, who who is older can't be fit and healthy. I think everybody ought to, to make the effort to be getting outside and doing daily walks and uh, gentle exercises. Sure. Just, even more important when you're older than, than when you're younger, but in is a way. It, but is it a kind of lifestyle that you're in or you're not? You know what I mean? I mean, Jagger's always been pretty healthy. He's always been the guy who, I mean, even even during the height of their kind of druggy phase, he was the one that did the fewest drugs, I think, in the band. Yeah, yes. And so he's always been very fit. And so, I mean, if you're somebody, I suppose, who's less active and you get to 60-something, um, you're not going to, how would you suddenly start becoming active, if you know what I mean? Well, I would certainly say it's never too late. Um, Nordic walking is a really fabulous way to start getting fit. 
um, because you're walking, but you're walking with poles, so you're using all of your body when you're walking along. So that's a really fabulous thing to do. And where, what, yeah, with those no. little, like, ski poles, you mean? That's the one, yep, yep, walking along, you know, with your ski poles. I see people like up. that. And I, I'm I, afraid I've <laughs> always mocked people walking along with also, those it's quite poles. Hard they, to look, they look like they've lost the mountain or yeah. they've lost the snow and they're walking through London with <laughs> these quite, yeah, It's quite poles. hard to do up Kilburn High Road, I would have thought, <laughs> you know what I mean? So but I'm going to have to stop mocking them if it's, if it's really good for them, aren't I? It was very good for you. I used to be very sceptical myself until I gave it a go and I'm, and I'm you know, I'm pretty fit and uh, I was getting out of breath going up and down those hills, so... Um, yeah, never, never too late to start. I oh, would say. And what about this thing that here's the anti gravity yoga, what, where mm. they, you hang upside down? What's the point of of hanging in the air? Well, I guess it's a lower it's a low impact form of exercise. So if you want to think about it in that way, it's actually a pretty good thing to do if you are an older person. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that most sort of sixty, seventy year old <laughs> would want to be hanging upside down. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you know, fitness is all about having fun. And you want to find something that you enjoy doing and that is fun. And if hanging upside down off the you know, length of silk does it for you, then go for it, I would say. And as, again, it's said that Jagger exercises, you know, up to six days a week. Presumably mm. that's a bit excessive. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say it's excessive. It depends on, on, on what you want to turn as exercise. I mean, taking you know, a wander down to the shops for, for half a mile on a daily basis, that, that's exercise. I think people can sort of categorise exercise into this horrendous category that they feel that they have to force themselves to do three times a week. But actually, if you incorporate it into your daily life, so walking, cycling, swimming, you know, even walking around the shops is, is, a, is a good form of exercise. So, um, and yes, I mean, I would say that most people wouldn't do it as much as Jagger, but then most people haven't got the time or the money to be... Well, I was going to say, yeah, I mean, exactly. not only is he a very unusual character, but he does have an awful lot of money and not very much he to does. do with it, really. Apart from, I mean, when he does the occasional album, which they don't even do that very much of anymore, they, they're doing this tour. <laughs> That's true. Um, but, I mean, he's got to keep himself fit for his, uh, his younger lady, hasn't he? Uh, well, indeed. That, that that's well. also the other, the other best way to keep fit, I suppose. But what about, <laughs> uh, what about finding somebody else to exercise with if you're an older person? Because, I mean, you don't walk into a gym at the age of 60 for the first time w- without getting a few odd looks from people, do you? Well, I mean, you know, it might be a little bit of a scary thing to do, but just joining up with a friend and, and going for a walk together is, is a lovely thing to do. And if you're doing exercise within a group of people, it's really sociable. Um, and, you know, I, as I said, I, I run Nordic Walking, which is a lovely thing to do because everybody gets together, goes for a walk. It's nice and sociable. You're having fun. You're seeing people and you're exercising without really feeling like it's a, it's a hard work or or anything particularly unpleasant to do. It's no. rather lovely getting out in the uh, in the countryside and right. having a wander along. And okay. do you agree? I, I read the other day that um, the whole thing about ten thousand steps. You know, most of our mm. our phones and apps and Fitbits all oh, yeah, to, to tell us that we should be aiming for ten thousand steps. But actually, I saw a thing the other day that said that that's that's wrong. And actually, ten thousand slow steps makes very little difference to your fitness yes. level. And you're much better off doing sort of three short bursts of ten minutes proper fast walking rather than you know because 10,000 you know ambling around apparently doesn't yeah. doesn't do much no I think the 10,000 steps was a sort of like a marketing a marketing campaign yes I saw really. the Japanese it's, it's marketing campaign I think sort of thing yeah but no what you want to do is you want to be getting your heart rate up for short periods of time and and you can do that in whatever way you enjoy so yeah like I said if you know if you're getting your heart rate up doing a, a 20 minute circuit class or taking a really brisk walk up the road, or maybe getting off the bus 
um, stop earlier and uh, and walking home, or if we make Jagger, I'm doing it in ways that we can't talk about on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> Quite right. Yeah, Helen, thank you very much indeed. Helen Smith, their personal trainer, uh, was some pretty good advice. And I've got Nicola here who's tweeted, don't mock Nordic walking until you've tried it. I, I, that's exactly what I did do. I did yeah. mock it without trying it. So you've, now, so you've it. now created an entire <laughs> raft of enemies yeah. around well, their also, Nordic walking. But, I don't really, that's not even something I see people doing, to be honest. I did a lot. Really? A lot of times, you know, you need to think, where's your laminated yeah. lamp and your bobble hat? Right. But, uh, but I'm going to stop mocking and your that. Sandwiches. But you see, I'm constantly mocking for my chosen choice of exercise which is what which is Zumba which is a sort of dance class which oh, yeah. according to my kids is the uncoolest form of exercise there ever was it's well your it's kids are mid- always going to say that it's though. for middle aged women they know? you know of a certain age well, what blah, do they blah, blah, blah. know what do they know, know? they, they exactly. don't have to worry about exercise but, they're too young to have to think about but it but I did point out to them um, the other day that apparently any sort of dance uh, exercise where you're having to think about moves as well as just you know p- pounding one yeah, foot yeah. in front of the other um, is the only form of exercise that exercises your mind as well as your right. body. So if you want to stave off dementia, you ah. should be taking dance classes. Ah, okay, there you go. Well, maybe <laughs> we'll maybe we'll take that up as well. Oh uh, three four 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 nine nine one thousand. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Daisy McAndrew is here. And this is the kind of show where you go from uh, a Ukrainian uh, a missile being fired at a, a jet, uh, killing 298 people uh, back in 2014, to uh, the most internationally ignored superstar uh, who has currently walked into the studio. It is Vanity Von Glow. Vanity, very good afternoon to you. Yes, hello. It's lovely to be here. Thanks for having me. Welcome. I'm going to ask you just to speak slightly closer to the microphone. Oh, of course, yes. That, uh, I'm just worried it's a bit phallic. So. Yeah, it is a little bit phallic, yeah. But, uh, luckily, it's a family show we have here, so you don't have to worry too much about the phallic nature not, of the microphone. They microphones. did tell me not to swear, which is did a, they? That is half my act. So That's half my act as well. I have a real <laughs> struggle with it, to be honest, because people once said to me, "How on earth do you work on the radio? Because you, all you do is swear." It's true. Uh-huh. I mean, it's very difficult you not need to. to get it out of your so. system. But on we do the have a dump hours. button, so if you do say anything really, really horrendous, um, we can get rid of it. I won't. I won't. I'll, I'm, I'm sure you won't. My tongue for but the anyway, first time ever. Well done. Welcome to Talk Radio. I don't know about you, Mike, but I'm feeling rather underdressed. Now. I, it's certainly the most glamorous this studio has ever been. It really is. I it mean, really is. We will, we will tweet cameras. pictures, obviously. We should oh. do a picture, actually. Yeah. I have to say, Vanity, when you you almost fell into the studio as you as you stumbled through the door there, which would have been quite an entrance had you had you made it. I know. But uh, but anyway, you're looking fabulous. Thank you. Yeah. If you don't mind me saying so, um, tell us about why you call yourself internationally ignored. Oh. Um... Do you know, I think so, there, I, I, there is a, there's a musical called Hedwig where the character is called an internationally ignored songwriter, uh-huh. I believe. Um, so I must have got it from there because okay. I think that as a combination of language, internationally ignored superstar is just too similar. But I didn't consciously do that. Um, I thought it would be amusing. Yes. My persona in, on stage and in the songs I sing is very grandiose and very self-important. So yeah. it's kind of good to just undercut it a little yes. bit there. And do you call yourself a drag queen? Is that what you call yourself? No, I call myself a global icon. Okay. And I do self-identify <laughs> as such, so you do have to well, go along fine, with it. Well, that's fine, isn't it? Because you can now self-identify as anything you like. Well, I'm certainly self-identifying as a global icon today. So I feel I should describe your outfit and your look today for our listeners. Yes. Affordable. <laughs> so you're wearing, you're wearing a beautiful halter neck uh, gown, with, which is black, beautiful uh, glistening. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's actually, it's, oh, it's, it's a like pantsuit. it's a jumpsuit. It's a jumpsuit. Yeah. It's, it's a jumpsuit. I need to run away. Very, very high-heeled platform shoes. Beautiful sort of Joan Collins-esque hair. Lots of eye makeup and gold, eye, got gold, got gold eyebrows, which I'm particularly taking. I with. have naturally glitter secreting eyebrows, which mm. is um, it's such a very rare medical condition. But yes, um, rare. Yeah, but Some I'm choosing say. not to have treatment. Like I, a human like unicorn. No, yeah. yeah, I don't think you should. I think you should stick with it. Now, one of the reasons we wanted to have you in here is not just to, to tell everyone that you are doing a show coming up in June and then some more after that, but because you were the subject of some, what I regard as the, the kind of perversity of free speech and the rules around free speech in this mm. country, where you appeared on a platform on Freedom Day uh, with a bunch of people who would all, all otherwise be regarded, I suppose, as right-wingers, uh, and you were then shunned by the sort of comedy community on the basis that therefore you must be a right winger. Yes, I mean, I mean, I would refute that all of the, I, I think the platform was did have a, a definitely had a right wing slant. Mm. Um, but you know, there, I'm not. I consider myself to be left leaning. Have been my essentially my whole life, yeah. um, as far back as I can remember. And uh, you know, there were other there were a couple of speakers that would consider themselves to be left leaning libertarians. Sure. But um, yes, it seems that being associated with the right wing. Uh, it is is a, enough of a smear within the community from which I hail, which is the LGBT sort of yeah. community. Um, a lot of cabaret in London. Um, it's a, it, I'm guilty by association to these people is the sort of perception. Yeah. And it's, so it was your own community in a way, the LGBT community that turned on you. Certainly enough people within that community mm. were disgruntled enough that right. they would then harass venues to stop booking me. Um, you know, and some venues, I mean, crumbled very, very quickly and put out tweets saying that you weren't, you know, that you're no longer welcome, be, no longer welcome, or that actually bookings were going to be cancelled. Some of the venues that I I've worked closely with over the years are independent, uh, which is difficult in London. It's not really, it's it can be quite a hostile climate for an independent venue to stay open late at night, as you know, in places like the Borough of Camden, yeah. um, where there are late night levies and all these sorts of things. Um, so. I appreciate that this has been a bit of a PR situation for them. And I think they were very anxious and they were intimidated by people's outrage. Mm. Um, so I can understand why um, why some venues really sort of responded the way they did. And, and some people seem to be suggesting that um, by sharing a platform with people who others, you know, call you know, blatantly homophobic or blatantly racist, that you are somehow going to, um, and I saw this phrase, pink wash them into legitimacy. In other words, by you appearing there as a, clearly a mm. member of the LGBT uh, community, you are somehow making unpleasant people appear more palatable and that somehow you were being used. Did you feel at all used? You were pink washing as this phrase went. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure that I I'm not I'm not convinced that I was giving <laughs> giving Tommy Robinson a queer makeover by any stretch. That would be a stretch uh, anyway, uh, I yes. thought, wouldn't it? I mean that might be something people would be interested in. <laughs> yeah seeing. maybe. Um yeah I think some people some people do have that they're coming at this from that angle. Um 
as I've said countless times surrounding this sort of controversy, my presence in any scenario ever is an endorsement of nothing. If you want to know what I think, mm. you have to talk to me about yeah, exactly. it. You know, don't look at the people I'm standing next to. I've, you know, we've we've shaken hands already as I've stepped into the studio today. Mm. I certainly hope that you guys haven't absorbed any of my opinions by osmosis. That's just <laughs> not how it works. No, exactly. But there's also this outrage that people seem to feel at the drop of a hat now. Mm. I mean, I get myself involved in all kinds of Twitter spats I've that I heard. probably shouldn't get involved in, right? However, you know, I quite enjoy the irony of doing it to some extent because mm. the mob mentality is something that I absolutely abhor. And I don't and care where terrifying. the mob and I don't care where the mob comes from, whether they're vegans, yep. whether they're supporters of Count Plankula, as I call him, whether they're supporters of Tommy Robinson. I mean I've had them all coming after me. I've been accused of being right wing, left wing, yeah. you know, anti uh, this, anti that. And yep. It's all ridiculous, right? Yeah. And you've been the subject of the same kind of outrage that people feel for no reason. Yeah, you know, I think people, I think there is a sort of a hunger within the culture for people to feel like they're part of a sort of mob. People yeah. like to feel like they're they're in a movement, they're part of a crowd. Mm. Um, you know, people don't, pe- people seem very, there is a delight and a bloodthirsty mm. sort of edge to a lot of the moral yeah. criticism and condemnation. Because criticism is one thing, but moral condemnation seems to be so much more fun for some people. Oh, indeed. And also nothing nothing better than a mob of bullies accusing you of being a bully. Yeah, it's it's yes, it's 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 like it's like being on a ketamine trip. It's yes. like a thing within a thing within. A, it's like Russian. I'll dolls. tell you a word for that. I've never been on one of those. <laughs> well, for the purposes of this interview, neither have I. <laughs> of course not. So, what what about the show that you're going to do uh, next month? What's it going to be about? What's it going to be you know, sort so, of focusing so on? The, the um, you know, in the immediate aftermath, seven venues where I perform cancelled my shows, which is obviously. <laughs> Obviously, they have the freedom to do this, and people have the freedom to complain and petition them yeah. to do this. Um, I'm not criticising that freedom. I'm criticising the culture of cancelling people who yeah. we don't agree with. Um, so, I mean, essentially, across these venues, uh, for the time being, I'm sort of a banned substance. Yes, but in um, your case, you're not actually banned for what you think. You're banned for what's something that you did rather than your actual attitude. I mean, you know, they're not even banning you because they don't like what you say. Well, yeah, because, you know, I mean... I sang a Shania Twain song and... and <laughs> well, uh, I might ban you for that, and, to be well, fair. Am, am I right in thinking that that was one of the problems, that Shania Twain is somehow associated oh, they hate with her at the moment. Trump? Yeah, or, yeah. Uh, which I didn't, I actually didn't realise. And, and they were saying that that was a message that you were deliberately being provocative I by that, singing Shania Twain. <laughs> I thought there was a, a, I thought there was a, an amusing irony to have opened with the show Must Go On, which is sort of a big bombastic, right. here's one for the blokes, mm. you know, because obviously there's, there's a slight... Uh, there's probably maybe two thirds men were there on the day for freedom, um, and then I thought, right, so I've just given them the sort of song they want. Mm. Now I'm going to give them Shania Twain that don't impress me much, uh, which that don't impress me much. I was saying that this cancelled culture doesn't impress me much, um, and you know, then I sang Read All About It, which has uh, which is by Emily Sandy, which has um, I mean, really a message of of tolerance and patience and and how we are all in essence the same. Mm. You know, so there were some some. some elements in there that I think went over people's head maybe I wasn't clear enough in my Well they don't want to listen to actually what you have to say or the message really, they want to have the message already in their mm. head as to what they think you're saying mm. and what they think you're trying to put uh, sort of Exa- give over. Exactly you know? and people have become so suspicious, mm. this is even the lyric in Read All About It, we're all wonderful wonderful people, how did we all become so fearful and people are so so nervous um, and unwilling to trust other people's good intentions mm. so venues have you know kind of uh, been thrust into this controversy. They've responded in the way that they feel is best for them. They've got to look out for 
the well-being of their own teams. And this has been... I mean, there's really been a campaign to have me cancelled from these venues. So a night uh, which I'm doing in, on June 12th, Comedy Unleashed, um, they're breaking the ban mm. and they're inviting me to take to the stage. I have no idea what I'm going to do. Um, I'll probably sing something f- flagrantly provocative. Um, I certainly hope so. Yeah, we'll see. And, you know, this is a night, Comedy Unleashed is a night which I hadn't heard of before, but they're they're really about, if something's funny... Um, Let's let the audience decide. Let's not be too censorious. So I think they've got a Brexit voting comedian on to uh-huh. really shake things up. I'll be there. There's not many of them. I can't imagine there are. No. Um, and then a couple of days after the ban has been broken, um, I'm doing my own solo show at the Underworld in Camden, which is it's going to be called Lady Liberty, which okay. I'm sure will frustrate some people. And um, that's going to be a show for me to reflect on and underline all of this, but in an amusing way and possibly with naked cartwheels. By you, yes, by me, or well, others, me or any, supporting cast anyone. We might have a we might have a collective cartwheel. Are you offering, Mike? Uh, I'm not very good at cartwheels. <laughs> I, I can do other things. And Vancy, do you lip sync or do you sing? I sing live and play piano. Because I, I mean, normally the sort of great tradition of lip syncing, isn't it? But but you do you 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 do the full singing. Yes, I do. I sing. I work with musicians. It's really a live music show. Yeah. Um, the drag element is sort of incidental. This is a tool for the persona, and. Um, you know, I mean, lip syncing is fabulous. Like there's I, so many of my creative friends are amazing uh, lip syncers and they really get to have fun with uh, adopting all of these personas yeah. um, through the lip sync. Uh, but I really, really like the sound of my own voice. Mm. So I sing. And I know that you're being very polite about the clubs that have that have cancelled you. But in the heat of it, when it was happening, how I mean, it it must have been scary that you didn't know what turn your life was going to be taking next having everyone pulling the rug from under your feet yeah i mean in these these situations i mean this is the first time something like this has happened like i I, you know i feel i feel like there are a lot of people who don't live as public a life as as a performer does who if something like this happened to them would feel enormously isolated and very lonely um but despite this tumultuousness i haven't felt alone i felt quite supported by people Good. Um, reaching out because you know pe- people people care about the performers they support and so there's been a lot of of that as well and some of that from these venues that feel they've had their hands tied have have, have reached out and and um on a personal level where they've been unable to support me professionally they're still prepared well, to support something. me personally that is something because that's what it's about sure this of course uh, is the bit of the show where we talk about sex uh, even though it is only 10 to 1 in the afternoon but we'll do it in a very nice and this genteel was manner my favorite story in all of today's newspapers well the story basically is that the more fish you eat the more sex you have isn't that right yes but apparently the um the academics who've done the research and it is proper research will hear, um, set about the research thinking that it was going to prove the opposite. Mm. I mean, we were talking about echo chambers and only yeah. only listening to people who agree with your view. And of course, what was brilliant about this is they had one theory and then completely turned their own theory yeah. on its back by doing the research and finding that apparently, so they thought the more fish you ate, the less likely you were to have babies. Right. And then they discovered that it was the other way around. Fascinating. Well, let's talk to Audrey Gaskins, who is the lead researcher uh, from uh, the Harvard uh, School of Public Health in Boston. Audrey, very good afternoon to you. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you very much indeed for uh, for joining us. Now, the study's been published in the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and Metabolism. Um, you were apparently trying to work out whether or not eating fish 
uh, was an impediment to uh, to fertility, but you found the opposite. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. We were interested, particularly in this group of couples, because they had presumed exposure to persistent chemicals in their seafood. And so we were studying fish mostly as a potential vehicle for environmental toxicants, uh-huh. um, but, but then ended up finding, like you said, quite the opposite, that fish was beneficial um, even above and beyond concerns about, uh, you know, any sort of contamination. And Audrey, is this um, sort of connected to the old theory about, you know, oysters being an aphrodisiac? Is that part of the same sort of uh, theory? Possibly, you know, like like you said again in the introduction, we didn't set out to prove this kind of popular culture myth, um, but we looked at it just to see if you know that could be one potential mechanism behind the association. And you know, when we were writing up the paper, there really wasn't any scientific literature on the oysters and aphrodisiac hypothesis, and so you know, it's still very much unclear what is driving this um, and whether it's a behavioral mechanism or, you know, more biological. But it was quite funny that we, we found what <laughs> a lot of people, you know, propose is true. And so if eating fish does make you have more sex, why would it have that effect? You know, we're not sure. There's kind of two mechanisms that might be at play, you know, one that's more biological, having to do with kind of the health benefits of fish, um, you know, possibly their content of zinc um, and other minerals. But it could also be that when couples have a fish meal together, it's, you know, a nicer meal. And, um, you know, that could behaviorally lead, lead to more time together. It's a healthier option as well. And maybe when you eat fish, you feel less bloated, for want of a better word. I mean, because sometimes you go out for dinner and you don't actually feel like doing anything else other than lying down, not for, not, for, not in a sexual way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. So what about your toxicology study about the whole mercury thing? I mean, basically, are you saying that you think that that's not a big problem, that we, we hear all the time now about plastic inside fish, that, you know, every, every fish that you eat is somehow, you know, has been polluted by the plastics floating around in the ocean. Um, are we safe to eat fish? free from mercury? Right. So most of the fish, at least that we consume in the United States, is actually very low in mercury, things like shrimp and salmon. Um, And so, you know, on a whole, for most the average American, um, you know, their risk of consuming a fair amount of mercury from fish is pretty low. And on a whole, you know, people aren't consuming that much fish. Um, So I think, you know, some of the fears about consuming fish because of mercury um, is a little bit misguided, although, of course, we don't recommend women to eat the more predatory fish like tilefish and swordfish and shark um, and things that, you know, are higher up on the food chain and, and more likely to have not only higher concentrations of mercury but other persistent chemicals. Great stuff. Listen, Audrey, we've got to leave it there. Sorry, uh, we've run out of time, I'm afraid. Audrey Gaskins there who did the study. Swordfish. Now, this is something I haven't had in a long time. I used to get a lot of swordfish. So there you go. Eat fish, get more sex. There we are. And here's Jamie. Oh, is that the rule? That's the rule. Uh, not a rule. No, just a recommendation. It's oh, fine. Okay, it's, a the- I'm it's a scientific theory that's been proved. Good. Yeah, apparently people who eat more fish have more sex. Do they? Yeah. Which right, maybe okay. is why that restaurant's got that stupid name, Sexy right. Fish. Oh, P- yes. Pil- pilchers, <laughs> pilchers for dinner, then. Perfect. Tin pilchers in tomato <laughs> sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be a winner. Yeah. Yeah. Straight yeah. to the Smother myself in Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. 
Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.